0: Good morning, church. Good morning. You may be comfortably seated. We want to welcome you all to the well this morning. Welcome all of you that are joining us online. Those that will watch this later, we are in the house of the Lord. Amen? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful for your uh, guidance through Scripture, through your Word. Father, we just ask for your continued persuasion in us today as we listen to your word and we apply it to our lives as we self-convict as we analyze ourselves as we look at ourselves father it's your word it's your truth and we thank you for the blessing and directive of your perfectness that it gives us to strive for we pray these things in your name amen young boys and girls what time is it Kingdom kids, Right? Leaders are at the back door. Thank you, thank you. Ropper room music, all good. Right on, there they go. Lots of goldfish crackers and granny bears and whatnot. Looking good. Uh, I am here to report of what happened on this property in this building on the patio in the commons on Thursday night. I will admit to you preemptively I may have been a bit over ambitious myself trying to cram as much as we did into an hour and a half. And I will let you know that we didn't make it in an hour and a half. It was longer than that. So there was that. We had food we had lots of food, there you go. That is a description of a man's plate right there. Um, there's tortillas under that, but they didn't get folded up until much of that had been consumed. It was all good. Um, we had ladies here sign on to bring cookies. We had 30, 30, 30 dozen cookies of various denominations. It was a gathering place at this table where men, in an effort to clean up, threw in. Yeah, look at Alan. Yeah, you ate a few of those cookies, didn't you? Right? These cookies were, they were largely gone. 30 dozen. It was all that. Men took cookies in line for the taco. So that it was a long line. I'll give them that. So they had to survive from one end to the other. It was wonderful. The women's restroom. Before I even go there, it's been cleaned up. It's all good. <laughs> we put a, a Jordan tape a sign that said men over the women sign. I will tell you that this, the, the seats were probably up all night. But they're down now. So this is a good thing. Again, this was just men doing what men do. On the cookie table, they were brought in Ziploc bags. Some came from the store in containers. Unlike a women's event where there's a decorative table and a tray and I see the cookies overlapping in a circular pattern. These cookies were dumped in upside down in foil containers. Lids were simply opened. The men ate the cookies anyway. It was all good. We didn't have um, serving containers for the beans, the rice, and, uh, and, and, and Barry said just serve them out of the pot they cooked them in. So we did. We just ran out of the pot and went, and it was all gone. Very little, very little left over. So God provided. It was, a, it was a terrific night. Now, what did the Lord do here on Thursday night? First, let me say how much I appreciated and want to publicly thank collectively the men of this body, which numbered 40 some odd, 40 men from this body were here they pitched in and they helped because their mommies weren't here somebody had to do it and i won't go down a list of names cuz i'll inevitably forget somebody but every man here saw a need dumped a trash can moved a chair rolled a table put them back pulled a grill washed dishes whatever that whatever needed to be done it got done 40 men from this church what did the lord do 86 men We're at this event, 86, okay? We had some little information cards where simply wanted to be able to acknowledge those that had come. Uh, They gave us their names, their home churches, if they had one, where they were located from, so forth, email addresses. But they had three choices. They could circle that they were a man of God. Most of these men were men of God, praise the Lord. The second was rededication of their lives to Christ, we had eight men rededicate their lives to Christ, and we had three that were really seeking, really seeking a relationship with Him. And I'm I'm happy to tell you that uh, young Aiden, wave your hand back there, Aiden, he's going to be baptized here two weeks from today as a result of that. These 86 men, many of them are dear friends that we've known for decades in this valley that we've worshipped with in various locations. It was terrific. So, where did they come from? Just going to go through the list. The Weld, First Baptist, Bible Baptist, Valley Baptist. Baptists were well represented here. <laughs> Redemption, Wesleyan Church, The Refuge, Live Oak, Lighthouse. That's nine Ojai Valley churches sent delegations of men to this event. Reality Ventura, First Baptist Fillmore, Family Baptist Carpinteria, uh, churches in Santa Barbara five out of the five out of the county churches represented cities there from Pasadena Avila Beach Carpinteria Santa Barbara Santa Maria right 25 total churches 25 total churches so this is the beginning this isn't the well this was influencers ministries but this was men of god and that's what we want to promote we want to be ground zero with a man's relationship with the Lord and foster that. So we're going to pick up the ball as a group of men from here, and we're going to fellowship together and grow in our independent group, and periodically we're going to get together with the larger group from the Valley. It was a tremendous experience, and, um, yeah, it was good. So thank you.
1: Yes. All right. All right. A of more announcements as we move into the holidays. If you haven't had a chance to, to look into the commons, and there's a table in there, just an enormous amount of food that's been donated uh, for the Youth Ministry Food Drive. So thank you if you have uh, done that. Uh, there's still opportunities to give. Uh, there's some food drive items, but, man, thank you so much. The, we are going to be a blessing to many uh, in need. And sometimes we forget in the holidays that, especially in these economic times, Um, Every little bit helps. So if you'd like to still participate, you can do that. Um, Another ministry we'd love to come alongside is Team Challenge. And we mentioned last Sunday their fundraiser that many of you have participated in before is their tamales. Okay, so uh, you can contact, uh, I believe it's Maria. There's a number there. And uh, it's a great way to uh, support Team Challenge and their wonderful ministry. And uh, just a word of encouragement uh, for us as well. Uh, Those who uh, donated to Mexico, Uh, we were able to put together about 20 bags, 22 bags, for the uh, families going down. The team left this morning, so I encourage you uh, this week, pray for them. Uh, They're driving the Ensenada today. They're picking up the team uh, that's flying in from Virginia down at San Diego Airport and then across the border. But if you would pray for them. But thank you so much. I saw the bags here, I think it's Thursday or Friday. You put them together. And, uh, man... There's going to be a lot of excited and blessed kids uh, in Ensenada uh, this week. So thank you, all of you who donated. Uh, just again, uh, you're so generous in giving, and it's a joy uh, to bless others. Good morning. I'm going to start with Philippians 1. We went through the book a while back, and Philippians was a letter written by Paul to the saints in the city of Philippi. And, And he starts with a very uplifting, very encouraging, very joyful note. In Philippians 1, verse 3, it says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What a wonderful way to start a letter to the believers in Philippi, and I wanted to start with those verses, uh, really as as an expression of my heart and our heart for you, the church family here at the well and at home, and really even around the country. Those who call us your home uh, in different states, uh, because I want to tell you, um, myself and the elders, uh, we are thankful for you, and when we pray for you, it is with joy, and we are blessed. Like the Apostle Paul, uh, by your partnership in the gospel all these years together. It is, it is a joy. It is a joy. We, have, we, are, we are sending a team down with a couple other churches right now to b- build homes in partnership with other churches, but in partnership here in this fellowship. You know, last Sunday's uh, women's worship, what a great event. The past, this Thursday, what a, it's a joy, Amen. It's a joy to partner together and celebrate who we are in Christ, personally, but also communally, and to be a part of God's work in the valley and really internationally. And, and I wanted to start really that affirmation, that encouragement, that reminder, because sometimes, you know, as we work through church and doing church together, over a length of time, uh, we can forget to celebrate and we need to always celebrate because, you know, like I, I tell the leadership quite often right now, this is a miracle. You're a miracle if you're saved. And the fact that we gather here in God's provision in this facility, we, this is a living testament of God's miraculous presence, power, and provision. Amen? Amen? This is a miracle. This is a miracle. And so we have to, we have to never lose our joy. You know, as we sit here in Christ, your name is written in the book of life. Amen. Right? And, and, and I just wanted to start here, really, uh, and it was a good check for me this week. And, and uh, you know, as we've been looking through the last few weeks on, you know, kind of the foundations of our faith and, and saying, you know, why are we here? What are we supposed to do? What is worship? Sometimes, you know, even me with my passion with that, Um, And and we're going to look at that, and I want to kind of be real with you this morning, is I don't ever want to inadvertently, because I'm passionate about the church and wanting the best for us as a church, uh, even to safeguard the church, I never want to, to inadvertently, even with the passion to honor God, create a sense that there's something wrong, or that we're not doing enough, or that Father isn't pleased. Because in Christ, God loves you and He likes you, because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, right? And and here, myself, and even even the the, the shepherds of the church, we don't want to inadvertently, in our encouragement to stay the course and honor God biblically, uh, put a yoke of slavery and kill the joy around here. That's not our intent. You know, I, I don't want to be pastorally. You know, I, if you know, many of you know I have five kids, and as a dad, I didn't want to be the dad that only said something when things were wrong. Right? Wait till your father gets home, or right? And everything is, you know, hunky dory, and as long, as you know, but you know, you only hear from dad when when you do something wrong. Well, you know, I don't. I don't want to be that kind of a pastor, and the elders don't want to be those kind of elders where we only come knocking. Because something's wrong. We, we, we around here. There's a whole lot right. There really is. You know. Now the church is made up of imperfect people. And turn to the person next to you and say, "That's me." You know that right? We're all imperfect. None of us has it all together. In fact, you've heard me say over the years and years. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up. Because you're not perfect. So we, we give each other that grace. We understand we're all in process. We're all in sanctification, right? God's not finished with me yet. So turn to the person next to you and say, be patient with me, right? Right? And in that, in that, we can, we can, with our zeal to be holy and fulfill our calling and all that, if we're not careful, we can just make it heavy. And, 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 as we 've been looking through you know why are we here? what are we supposed to do? What is worship? I never want to come across a negative or or like something 's wrong or you know there 's a problem because honestly here 's how it would work around here. If there was an issue, it wouldn 't be coming from me on a sunday it 's not the way you, you go to the person. you deal with it right? In fact, you know, if I use illustrations of of ministry like like glass. Last uh, Sunday, I said, you know, we talked about it. You know, Jesus used some pretty harsh words. You know, they worship me in vain and the New Living is like a farce. And, you know, we just had that women's worship night. And I kind of said, hey, you know, was that women's night a farce? The only reason I used the women's worship night, because I knew it wasn't. It was actually the farthest thing from that. Because I had heard tremendous things about the women's worship night and how beautiful and worshipful it was. But it was just simply an illustration of, of, you know, it's okay, and we're called, we're going to see here, it's okay in, in the world of church and in your life and in my walk with Jesus, it's okay to have some self-examination, to have a healthy check, right? And when we say, you know, hey, examine yourself or hey, let's do a check, that is not the same as an accusation or an implication that something is wrong. You have to separate that, okay? And we're going to talk more about that, but, but it's healthy, and it's good, and it's not even negative. But we live in a culture where any sort of, whoa, you're like, whoa, what are you saying? You know, we get real defensive, and we can get shut down to a process that's actually Healthy. On a personal, you know, note, I'll just share with you. uh, Many of us, and many of you watching at home, and many of us in the valley, uh, quite frankly, we're at a church uh, 15 years ago, and because the church that we were at uh, honestly was not willing to do what we encourage, and we're walking through now. Check yourself. Are we drifting? Have we lost our way? Because they were that church was not uh, willing to look under the hood, as I like to say. Um, You know, there were some serious consequences, and a lot of this—the underlying foundation of this church being birthed was out of pain, and the consequences of not being willing to look, and be honest, and assess. And and part of that, I'll be quite honest to you, it touched me deeply. I, I had to shepherd, and we worked through a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of months and years, and some people have never came back, you know. And so, for me personally, um, when we talk about staying the course and sticking to the basics and the Word of God and and being true and being willing to look at things honestly, it's not negative. It's almost like I, I'm overly paternal. I'm very guarded, and, and I have to check myself about being overly guarded and coming across like the dad who's never happy with the kids, you know? But, Dad, I made the team. Yeah, but you're not starting. You know, I mean, I'm like, That's real encouraging, right? No, I want you to, to hear from me two things. One, I celebrate. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. I celebrate it. I celebrate you many of you have known for 20 plus years and I've, we've shared a lot of life I also in 30 years of ministry have seen churches drift and the pain and, and the consequences when churches lose their way and kind of turn their back on the fundamentals and, then, and the fallout of that and, and I've been directly you know, impacted my family and so uh, I share that with you as we move forward, because, you know, we had an incredible elder meeting yesterday, and there's just so much to celebrate about what God is doing here. And we're seeking the Lord for the vision into 2024, and we're excited about it. And, and we just want you to know that, that it's all good. It's not perfect, but we're celebrating here. We're celebrating all the ministries, kingdom kids, youth, women's, men's, Hospitality, donuts, right yeah. missions yeah even right we 're celebrating it now, we still have a calling to to excellence, which is different than the fear of perfectionism, okay, we want to glorify God, but we don 't want to slide into man pleasing perfectionism because that 's law, okay, but we do want to glorify God around here and and so, if we talk about a healthy valuation, it is not, again, the same as an accusation and an assumption, even an implication that something is wrong. No, we're just checking it. In fact, w- we do this every week. Uh, we have a staff meeting every week on Tuesday morning, and we start at nine. And the first third, sometimes it takes more than that, first half, of our staff meeting is we're like hey wasn't that a great Sunday we go yeah and then I go around to all the departments the leads and I say how'd it go and we're very honest about the good and the things every Sunday that didn't go quite right you know and and I'm gonna pick on the bridge a little bit but but that's cuz then you know but we all make fumbles and foibles Thursday right we you know, if there's feedback, on Tuesday, I'll say, Jordan, what happened? What happened? Well, where's that feedback from? Right? If, uh, if something goes with the live stream, it's amazing what happens. We don't see it here, but sometimes there's glitches with the live stream, and Tyler's phone blows up during service. <laughs> That's what happens. People at home, thank you for letting us know. And so Tuesday morning, Tyler will say, hey, man, uh, we got some call. We got some text. My phone blew up. What happened with the live stream on Sunday, right? There's things that happen. Hey, you know, Tyler, a, something. If I notice something in the facilities, if I miss a cue, right, I'll say, hey, you know what? That was my bad. I missed a cue. I forgot to announce this, and we go through all the departments. Kingdom kids, it is not a negative thing. It is a very helpful, beneficial thing because we desire excellence, because we desire to glorify God, and those little course corrections add up to consistency on a Sunday. But it's not a negative thing. The staff does not dread. It's not like, oh, i got to go before the principal because he wants me to explain how I messed up again. No, you know? And they know I'm pretty detailed. Like, you know, sometimes I will say, hey, Jordan, there was a misspelled word on a verse. There was? Yeah, because that matters to me. And so on a Tuesday, I'll tell him that there was a misspelled word on a verse, or if something's just off, or, you know, if you've heard me say before, hey, Ty, it's kind of hot in here. And on Tuesday, we'll talk about dealing with the temperature, right? Anyway, (laughs) it's just what we call a healthy debrief. It's what we encourage ministries to do after the M6, after any event, a youth event. It's good to have a debrief to celebrate, but then to also say, what didn't go so well, how can we get better? It's just a healthy debrief. It's not an implication that anyone intentionally tried to sabotage anything. Sometimes, you know, what's funny to me is when there's glitches going on in the bridge, I see them, but you're all facing this way. They're in scramble mode back there. And they're trying to figure it out, and they didn't intentionally, you know, try to mess it up and the screens, whatever. Sometimes life just happens. How many of you know sometimes life just happens? Right? You're just going along, and life just happens. And so on Tuesdays, the debrief is designed for us to keep getting better. It's healthy. It's good to be able to look at that. You know, I came across... In, in in air navigation there's this rule there's this model called 1 in 60 it's the 1 in 60 rule and basically it says you know if if you're not careful after 60 miles a 1 degree error will result in straying off course by 1 mile 1 degree and you get sick, and then you know you thought you're going over a lake but you're going into a mountain but it started with 1 degree and so Our Tuesday morning staff debrief is just to keep us on track. It's just one degree, because one degree neglected can add up. That can add up in your life. Miss one church, then the next Sunday gets a little easier to miss. And suddenly, two months down the road, you're like, man, what happened? Well, it just started with one Sunday, one Bible study, right? One thing. And it's just course its just course correcting. That's all. And it's tough. I had a friend, and uh, he had a small boat. And every once in a while, years ago, we would go out to the islands and go spearfishing. And one time coming back, he says, hey, you want to drive? I'm like, sure. It looks kind of cool. I've never driven a boat, all right? And, this, and, and he didn't have a seat, so I had to stand. He goes just keep the front of the boat pointed at the desalinization plant right there by Wainimi and Oxnard, right? Just keep us going there, and we'll make it to the harbor. I'm like, ah, sure. I thought I was going to be bored. I thought it was just going to be like holding this thing. and that... You hold that thing, and then the wind, the waves, and the current immediately try to send you that way and that way. And you're fighting... This whole thing, and I'm getting exhausted because I'm just trying to keep the front of the boat pointed at the plant. And I can't, I mean, I'm like, and I'm, you know, like, dude, you're really good at this because you make it look effortless, right? Well, in our walk with the Lord, you got the world, the flesh, and the devil constantly trying to knock you off course, constantly trying to keep you from coming to church, reading your Bible. Praying, coming to fellowship, getting involved, one thing after another, right? And what seems real easy, well, you throw in the world, the flesh, and the devil, getting here on a Sunday can kind of seem a little bit difficult. But that's why we need each other in a healthy, good, encouraging way. And so we do this. I share with this with you because we, as we continue to look at the core and why we're doing what we're doing, I just want you to know that it's really from a heart of love and a heart of celebration for me and the leaders. We're fine. It's good. God, I I honestly believe God is pleased with this church. I honestly believe it. Not because of anything in us, because we're true to his word. We submit this church to him. We try to be good stewards and faithful and walk in faith and obedience. I believe we honor God. Okay? But we can also have blind spots. Right? And, and, and a passage pastorally that's, that really has been a good check for me for years and years in Revelation, right? where, where the Lord speaks to the church at Ephesus. What does he say? I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. That's a good church. They're doing a lot of good things, right? You might want to attend that church based on what he said so far, right? So it's not all or nothing. There's a lot of really good things happening in this church. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I'm going to guess that some people at that church were suddenly surprised. Right? That, hey, we're good. We're good. We're good. Woohoo. Keep, keep it coming. Yes. What else good do we do? And then he hits verse four, but, you know, like in the movie, everything comes to a screeching halt. But I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. I'm guessing some of them were quite shocked. Right? That that they had a blind spot. They didn't see it. The Lord had to show it to them. Hey, you're doing a lot of good. But here's a blind spot. And you need to course correct. You're drifting. You have drifted. Come back to your first love. Repent is come back. I love that because that has always kept me very correctable and teachable as a pastor. That, hey, before you think you're all that, you might be getting one of those. Hey, yeah, we celebrate Mexico, lots of great M6, women's event, great children. But, well, and if the Lord said, but, would we listen? How would we receive that? Would we be at a place to repent and receive correction from God Himself? Or would we get defensive and say, ah, oh, no, we're fine, we're good, right? Isn't it strange how even though someone wants the best for us and we know something technically is good, like healthy self-check and all that, we can be resistant to it? Like, isn't that strange? Like, you know, a couple examples. A couple Saturdays ago, my wife was going to go down and and see our son in in, in L.A., Culver City. Not that long of a drive, an hour and 20 minutes. And so she's going to go down Saturday morning, and it's like, Thursday or Friday, and she just, in passing, says, hey, did you check the car? I I'm like, what's wrong with the car? It's fine. What are you saying? I don't take care of the car? And I'm like, it's weird. All of a sudden, I got, like, bent. Like, some weird accusation that there's something wrong with the car because you're a loser, and you can't, I can't make it to L.A. for an hour and fifty. And I'm like, it's just L.A., right? I kind of, like, had this attitude, like, Pfft fine. Right? It's so weird. Like, so, you know, I, I didn't even say anything. I said, hmm. Or I think I said, ah, okay, I will. But I really wasn't going to. And so, because <laughs> in my mind, it's just LA. It's fine. But I did. I did. I went out there when she didn't know I was going out there. I pop the hood, and I check the oil. Full. I knew it! (laughs) I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. It's all good. tell me to check the car. And as I'm putting the dipstick back in there, I look at the coolant reservoir, and it's empty. So I go get the coolant, and I top off the reservoir to the full line. And then I said, okay, what else might there be? And I look at the rear back tire, and I'm like, that is flat. (laughs) So I get my compressor, and I stand out there for 15 minutes. Humbled, because my wife told me to check the car. And I had the tude of all tudes, because I didn't want to, and I thought it was fine. And I was sent to, to L.A. with no coolant, and a flat back tire. Where does that come from? Why can't I just check it? Because it's a good thing to do, right? Like, it's so strange, it's so bizarre. Like I took it personal. It was an affront to my awesome car maintenance skills, apparently. <laughs> But before you start to laugh too much at me, how many of you very healthy people get in a little bit of a tiff when someone says, hey, you should get an annual checkup? Why? I'm fine. I'm healthy. I don't need a checkup. Anyone? Who here would dare to be honest that you're resistant to an annual checkup because you're presently healthy and you see no need? Thank you. I'm not alone with the car issue. Thank you. Why is that? Now, it might be pride, might be fear, could be a little insecurity that they might find something, even though I feel healthy, right? I don't know. There's, there's a lot to that. My point is it's supposed to be a good thing to get an annual checkup, right? What is this pushback? It's a good thing for me to have checked the car for my wife before she goes to L.A. What was the pushback? Well, as a church, it's a good thing to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing and are we on track where we need to be? But sometimes there's pushback. And it's just a heart issue, ultimately, of just humility. And it's okay. None of us have it together. We can all drift. We can all drift. And... And so, you know, there's a line here where we want to glorify God. We want to honor God. We want excellence, okay? But we also don't want to put you under the yoke of slavery and bondage. Galatians 5, Bill shared this morning in our, in our meeting. It, Christ has set us free. And we don't, in our desire for excellence, want to put a yoke of slavery and bondage and kill all the joy around here. Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation in Christ, right? But our freedom in Christ is not a license to sin or to be lazy or to be complacent. Our freedom in Christ should inspire us to do our best. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, right? That's our heart around here, okay? We don't want to also become so introspective that it's all about us and we become nitpicky and then we just you know what we do with that with if that happens again we become just like the Pharisees and we turn inward and now we're just pointing fingers at everyone and everyone's imperfections and how you messed up and da 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 and we're back to where we started. no we're all in process this is a church in process we're all growing I don't doubt that any of you want the best for your walk with the Lord or for this church. And so we're united in who we are in Christ. We're united in our desire to honor and glorify him. And as we continue looking at this, we do it from a heart of celebration. Amen? We do it from a heart of like, thank you, God, that we get to be a part of this. We just want to do it better. We just want to keep doing it better, right? And it's, and it's, and it's interesting because God gives us his word to help us with this 1 in 60 rule, right? It's history. In Second Timothy 3.16, it says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Jordan, you can keep it up for a little bit. Oftentimes, you know, you hear us, we teach the word of God, and many of you read the word of God, you memorize the word of God, but here he's telling us, that, look, it's profitable for teaching. Now, many of us just kind of camp there, the teaching component. But it says that the, the word of God, Scripture, is profitable for reproof. What is reproof? That means shining a light into the darkness where you have started to drift. Okay, that, that means literally straightening up again, restoration to original and proper condition, helping someone get back up after stumbling. So actually, the word of God is profitable for my life and your life when we're drifting. Reproof. That's the unfun part. But it's profitable according to 2 Timothy. Okay? There's a very practical component to the Word of God, which goes to the 1 in 60 rule, which is, hey, you're drifting one degree, two degree. I'm shining my light in that area. Why? So that I can bring you back. Right? That is really what we try to do around here in all the ministries, is stay true to the Word of God and ask God and be open and humble and teachable and correctable when God, through His Word, says, hey, you're drifting. Hey, in this area, because God disciplines us, why? Because he loves us, and he wants us to stay on course. That's all it is. He wants us to stay on course. I was watching uh, on Netflix uh, one of those uh, cooking shows, one of those chef shows. I forget which one. But in this uh, chef show, these two chefs, they go visit other restaurants. And while they're at this restaurant, they, they're you know looking at what the chef there does and does very well. And, and this one guy says, hey, can I try this? Because there was a female chef, and she made these incredible desserts that just look really cool. He's like, can I try to make one of those? And so this guy, she, she shows him how to do it. And, of course, her comes, hers comes out perfect because she does thousands of these, right? He tries, and it's not bad, but he, looked, he, he puts it, and he says, what do you think? And she says, do you want me to be honest or Nice. Profound. I'm like, this is, gonna, this is good. And he says, be honest because nice doesn't help me get better. I'm like, yes! Right? She says, well, okay. <laughs> and she was honest. Right? And he tried again, and he got a little bit better, and she was helping him. But I love that. Do you want me to be honest or nice? Be honest because nice doesn't help me get better. That's us. Ephesians would say, speak the truth in love. That's being honest. Because being honest, biblically, helps us all get better. Amen? That's why we speak the truth in love. And yet sometimes, honestly in the church, we try to be nice. And we withhold our tongue, and maybe we're afraid to say something, even if it's biblical, because you don't know how they're going to receive it. You know. And you have to, in context, have, sometimes have permission to be honest. But just tuck that away, because, again, as we're evaluating what we do around here and why we do it, I'm asking the Lord to be honest, not just nice to us. Because if God is honest through his word, he's going to get the glory. It's for our good for God to be honest. It's for our good to be correctable and teachable, right? As a church, but even individually. And part of that is reminding ourselves that God disciplines us, even as a church, even me as a pastor, because he loves us. Because he loves us, okay? In Revelation 3, there's another church, Laodicea, and this is what he says to them. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and sad to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And here it is. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be de- zealous and repent. He says some pretty, he's pretty blunt with the church that thinks they're all that. Right? You say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. The church at La- Laodicea was in a commercial center. They were wealthy. They were like, oh, hi. They were, they were very wealthy, and that wealth had come into the church, and they thought that they were fine. That's what he's saying. And he says, you know, honestly, you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That, talk about being honest and not nice. <laughs> but look at his motive. Those whom I... Love, I reprove and discipline. See, as a pastor, as a church, even in my own walk, when God corrects me, I have to choose to remind myself that He loves me. And it's out of love. Now, why is that hard? Because we live in a culture that is anti discipline and anti correction. There are no consequences, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Right You we are now in the culture, little G gods, and can determine right or wrong even to the core of our being with no consequences, no correction. We have a generation in the, in the schools from college all the way down of, of students who don't even understand being corrected and disciplined, and I feel for the teachers because they just don't know how to deal with a generation that does not know how to be disciplined and corrected and have consequences. And is being told this lie that you are little G God. You get to determine everything in your life. That's part of the resistance we get even as a church when, you know, around here, my digital Bible, right, is the word of God, the authority. Much of this in our culture stems from anti-authority, Right? Humans are now the authority, and not only have we turned, drifted from God as a culture, we've turned our back on God, and now man is the ultimate authority, and so there's this independence anti-authority vibe that sometimes bleeds into the church, and so when God speaks to us from the authority of the word of God, we might have to work through that, because the world and flesh and the devil say, nah, you're God, Right? Remember the garden? God didn't really mean you're going to die. In fact, he's keeping Godhood from you, Eve, because he knows when you eat this, you're going to be like him. It's the same trick. The same trick in the garden, the same lying deception is being put on our entire culture in 2023. You can be like God with no consequence. That's what the devil was saying. Eve, there will be no consequence. Eat the fruit, you'll be God. That's what you hear. In the culture, there are no consequences for your choices because you're God. And everybody now is doing what is right in their own eyes. That makes it more of a challenge for us even as a church to stay the course. And the way things appear to be going, we're going to have to weather it even more storms ahead. But we're going to do it. Because we, when we started this church, we drove the stake in the ground. We are going to preach and teach the word of God. It is the authority, the basis of truth. Second, uh, Timothy says we are the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. This is all we got. There is nothing else that is the basis of our teaching and, and, and rule of life in this church except the word of God. It's not me. It's not personality. It's not whatever. It's the word of God. And so we have to work through that, that when God speaks to us as a church or us individually in, in just driftingness, it's because he loves us. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's because he loves you. It's because he loves you and wants the best for you, right? Right? Skippy, pickleball, right? If, if, if you were like, if I went out there and you were going to try to help me, And with the best of intentions, hey, Richie, here's how you should hit. And I'm like, I got it, Skippy. And then I keep hitting it in the net. Hey, you know, it'd be really good. Skippy, leave me alone. You're trying to ruin my life. Let me just hit the ball into the net repeatedly and lose points repeatedly. Thank you that you win tournaments and know this, but I don't need you, Skippy. How many think it would be wiser for me to humble myself and receive correction and teaching from Skippy so I get the ball over the net? But no. I'm all that in a bag of chips, and I'm just going to figure it out on my own. Why do we do that with the Lord? God wants the best for us. He wants the best for us, literally. And we just have to humble ourselves. And believe, right? God is good. And all the time. Even when he shines the light of reproof. That's it. It applies there. Okay? And so that, that's what we're doing. And, and, you know, just a couple examples before we kind of go into communion is the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he was dealing with issues in the Corinthian church there was like some blatant sin issues that for whatever reason weren't really being dealt with and then he shows up and they start challenging his apostleship right who are you and you know and in 2 Corinthians 13 he says this examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test there's a principle of self examination right what does the book of James say? Faith without works is dead. Jesus says, you'll know them by the fruit. And so there's a principle in our walk. It's like, hey, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Are you really in the faith? Right? And we know you, you can know you're in the faith by what the word of God says about how to become in the faith. And it doesn't mean that we become legalistic and we start nitpicking because we're all in process and sanctification. But let me explain this. When you are born again, okay? That's not just some weird cliche from the 70s and all that kind of stuff. Literally, when you put your faith in Christ, there's a term called regeneration. Regeneration means you are spiritually born again. At that moment, you are given a new nature that wants to do the will of God you become the temple of the Holy Spirit empowered by God with the desires of the things of God and you are adopted into the family of God that's to be born again there is a supernatural new covenant change you're given a new heart you're given a new power source the Holy Spirit you are different that different person manifests fruit over time, okay? So what he's saying here is, hey, you know what? You who profess to be this born-again, regenerate person, look at the fruit of your life. What's it saying? What's it saying? Okay, so there's a principle of self-examination here, okay? And then he even brings it down to the issue of communion in the Corinthian church because the corinthians had like they weren't like 1 degree off in communion they were like 80 degrees off it was crazy how the corinthians believers had drifted even when it came to the communion meal it says this first corinthians 11 but in the following instructions i do not commend you because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do, do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. See, he's not being very nice, is he? He's being very honest. They had this thing called the agape meal. We would call it a potluck. People would show up. They would start eating and drinking before the poor people with no food would show up. Because they're ready to party and and have their fill and eat. They wouldn't even wait for everyone to get there. And they're getting drunk all around the Lord's Supper. And Paul is just being honest and calling them out. Right? There's an issue, and for whatever reason, it hasn't been dealt with. So he's dealing with it. And then he says this, familiar passage. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right? Very familiar. If you've been in church any length of time, we typically stop right there. But Paul's not being nice. He's being honest. He says this. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. He's saying, hey, before you come up here today, You should examine yourself. Why are you doing this? Because in verse 23, it was all about Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Are we coming to the communion table having examined our heart first about why we're doing this? Is it just ritual? Is it just tradition? Is it about me? When you come forward this morning, why are you coming forward? Why, well, you know, that's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying that in this passage, Paul was calling out Corinthian believers whose motives, by the fruit, their motives were off. It was self-centered and not Jesus-centered. And he says, hey, before you do this, examine yourself. Check your heart. Because this is supposed to be about remembering Jesus. <laughs> not about me at all. It's about gratitude. It's about, man, are you kidding me? Jesus, thank you. I do this in remembrance of you. And so these examples, you know, of self-examination, it's healthy. It's really healthy. It's not condemning. It's not stifling. It's not meant to, to smother. In fact, you know, what I, what I tell, uh, told the team this morning, I said, you know what? As a pastor, what I look for and I, what I love to see are little what I call embers especially in new believers or those in, on the journey, embers of faith, right? And so if you've ever been camping or something, you see that little ember, what do you do of it? Well, hopefully, you're, if you want it to grow, you're like, you don't go. We want to fan and blow on the embers so you grow in your faith with Jesus. We don't inadvertently want to squash your ember and smother it and douse it. Because somehow we're we're, we're conveying that you're not good enough. It's not enough. You're not perfect enough. But we all got to start somewhere. And so around here, uh, we are honest and nice. We extend grace to one another with the same grace that we have received and, all, and still continue to receive none of us especially yours truly have it together I copped a toot about checking my wife's car two weeks ago right and yes I told her what I found he's like did he tell her or did he just pretend that it was really fine and that it didn't need to be checked because no I told her what I found thank you in the interest of full transparency We're all in, in process, amen And so There's much to celebrate here And we were reminded every time we celebrate it It's because of communion and the cross That's the basis of our celebration Out of this unity in Christ Honestly, we just do our best we can We really do and God is blessing this church. He, it, is, it is an incredible, humbling privilege to, to be able to do what I do, to know you, the new wave of people that have joined us in the last uh, several months. We praise God for you. We're thankful for you. Those that give and serve faithfully for 10, 15 years, we thank God for you. We, we're just so much that God is doing. And now, technology and people from other states. Consider us their, their home church. I mean, that, that just rocks my world personally. And so we're thankful for you online. thankful for you at Triple C that despite all that's going on there and the trials that, that you still tune in to us, we're thankful for our church family at Triple C. So there's a lot of good here. And as we just ask ourselves, Lord, why are we doing this? Are we drifting even one degree? And if we are, Lord, just just show us, and we'll receive it because you love us. And you do want the best for us.
0: Good morning, church. Good morning. You may be comfortably seated. We want to welcome you all to the well this morning. Welcome all of you that are joining us online. Those that will watch this later. We are in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful for your Uh, guidance through scripture through your word father we just ask for your continued persuasion in us today as we listen to your word and we apply it to our lives as we self-convict as we analyze ourselves as we look at ourselves father it's your word it's your truth and we thank you for the blessing and directive of your perfectness that it gives us to strive for we pray these things in your name. Amen. Young boys and girls, what time is it? Kingdom, Kingdom kids. Right? Leaders are at the back door. Thank you. Thank you. Ropper room music, all good. Right on. There they go. Lots of goldfish crackers and Grammy bears and whatnot. Looking good. Uh, I am here to report of what happened on this property, in this building, on the patio, in the commons on Thursday night. I will admit to you, preemptively, I may have been a bit overambitious myself, trying to cram as much as we did into an hour and a half. And I will let you know that we didn't make it in an hour and a half. It was longer than that. So there was that. We had food. We had lots of food. There you go. That is a description of a man's plate right there. Um, There's tortillas under that, but they didn't get folded up until much of that had been consumed. It was all good. Um, We had ladies here sign on to bring cookies. We had... 30, 30, 30 30 dozen cookies of various denominations. <laughs> it was a gathering place at this table where men, in an effort to clean up, threw in. Yeah, look at Alan. Yeah, you ate a few of those cookies, didn't you? Right? These cookies were, they were largely gone. 30 dozen. It was all that. Men took cookies in line for the taco. So that it was a long line, I'll give them that. So they had to survive from one end to the other. It was wonderful. The women's restroom, before I even go there, it's been cleaned up. It's all good. <laughs> we put a, a Jordan taped a sign that said "Men" over the women's sign. I will tell you that this, the the seats were probably up all night, <laughs> but they're down now. So this is a good thing. Again, this was just men. Doing what men do. On the cookie table, they were brought in Ziploc bags. Some came from the store in containers. Unlike a women's event where there's a decorative table and a tray, and I see the cookies overlapping in a circular pattern, these cookies were dumped in upside down in foil containers. Lids were simply opened. The men ate the cookies anyway. It was all good. We didn't have... um, Serving containers for the beans, the rice, and, uh, and 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 Barry said, "Just serve them out of the pot they cooked them in." So we did. We just ran out of the pot and went, and it was all gone. Very little, very little left over. So God provided. It was a it was a terrific night. Now, what did the Lord do here on Thursday night? First, let me say how. Much I appreciated and want to publicly thank collectively the men of this body, which numbered 40-some-odd, 40 men from this body were here. They pitched in and they helped because their mommies weren't here. Somebody had to do it. And I won't go down a list of names because I'll inevitably forget somebody. But every man here saw a need Dumped a trash can, moved the chair, rolled the table, put them back, pulled a grill, washed dishes. Whatever whatever needed to be done, it got done. Forty men from this church. What did the Lord do? Eighty-six men were at this event. Eighty-six. Okay? We had some little information cards where simply wanted to be able to acknowledge those that had come. Uh, They gave us their names their home churches if they had one where they were located from so forth email addresses but they had three choices they could circle that they were a man of god most of these men were men of god praise the lord the second was rededication of their lives to christ we had eight men rededicate their lives to christ and we had three that were really seeking really seeking a relationship with them and i'm i'm happy to tell you that uh young Aiden, wave your hand back there Aiden. he's going to be baptized here two weeks from today as a result of that. These 86 men, many of them are dear friends that we've known for decades in this valley that we've worshipped with in various locations, it was terrific. So, where did they come from? Just going to go through the list. The well, First Baptist, Bible Baptist, Valley Baptist, Baptists were well represented here, Redemption Wesleyan Church, the Refuge, Live Oak Lighthouse. That's nine Ojai Valley churches sent delegations of men to this event. Reality Ventura, First Baptist Fillmore, Family Baptist Carpinteria. Uh, churches in Santa Barbara. Five out of the five out of the county churches represented. Cities there from Pasadena, Avila Beach, Carpinteria. Santa Barbara, Santa Maria, right? 25 total churches. 25 total churches. So this is the beginning. This isn't the well. This was influencers ministries. But this was men of God. And that's what we want to promote. We want to be ground zero with a man's relationship with the Lord and foster that. So we're going to pick up the ball as a group of men from here and we're gonna to fellowship together and grow in our independent group, and periodically we're gonna to get together with the larger group from the Valley. It was a tremendous experience, and um, yeah, it was good. So thank you. Yes. All right.
1: A couple of more announcements as we move into the holidays. If you haven't had a chance to, to look into the commons, and there's a table in there, just an enormous amount of food that's been donated. Uh, for the youth ministry food drive so thank you if you have uh, done that Uh, there's still opportunities to give Uh, there's some food drive items but man thank you so much we are going to be a blessing to many uh, in need and sometimes we forget in the holidays that especially in these economic times um, every little bit helps so if you'd like to still participate you can do that um, another ministry we'd love to come alongside is Team Challenge and we mentioned last Sunday their fundraiser that many of you have participated in before is their tamales okay so uh, you can contact uh, I believe it's Maria and yeah, there's a number there and uh, it's a great way to uh, support Team Challenge and their wonderful ministry and uh, just a word of encouragement uh, for us as well uh, those who uh, donated to Mexico uh, we were able to put together about twenty bags, twenty two bags for the uh, families going down. The team left this morning, so I encourage you uh, this week pray for them uh, they 're driving to ensenada today they 're picking up the team uh, that 's flying in from Virginia down at San Diego airport, and then they're across the border. But if you would pray for them, but thank you so much. I saw the bags here. I think it 's Thursday or Friday. You put them together, and uh, man there 's going to be a lot of excited and blessed kids uh, in Ensenada. Uh, this week. So thank you, all of you who donated. Uh, Just again, uh, you're so generous in giving, and it's a joy uh, to bless others.